Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Our lives are full of mysteries, and when we treat the Bible like an answer key, we are missing out on what it could be. Today, we begin a series called We the Methodists. This is going to be our series for the church season called Lent, where we remember and commemorate or even emulate Christ's temptation in the wilderness. Christ went into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days, and we as Christ's followers go into the world, giving things up and living our faith out in a renewed sort of way. Jesus went without food or water in the desert, and some of us have even given up chocolate. And so it's not a perfect one-to-one comparison, but I think it's a worthy practice for us. Some of us are giving things up, others are taking things on, but all of us are in a season that the church calls Lent. We're going through this series so that the season of Lent can be a sort of identity-bringing season, a chance for us to use Lent as a way to truly define who we are, and what it means to be a people called to follow Jesus. Lent isn't just a time for us to give things up. It is also a chance for us to take things on. As we move on through Lent into Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we might be able to arrive with a greater understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. That's the whole point of Lent, friends. So as we take on new habits, let us also take on a renewed identity of what it means to be a United Methodist. We're also going through this series so that we can greater define what it will mean for us to be United Methodists here at Shepherds. There's a rich church history for all of us who call ourselves United Methodists, and yet we don't have a clear connection to that. When I talk to people in the neighborhood about what I do, um, and I say that I'm a United Methodist pastor, I get an inquisitive look on their face, or I hear, oh, I was raised United Methodist, (sighs) which is always kind of bittersweet to hear. I hope you had a good childhood. Please come back. (laughs) I hope you enjoy the uh, non-denominational church that you're at now. Our our greatest export are uh, Baptist preachers in the Methodist church, so but we're working on that. (laughs) We're in a world that is increasingly free from denominational labels. The bigger churches here in town claim to be non-denominational, even though they're a part of networks or connected to a set of beliefs. But our denomination sets us apart and makes us unique. Lent will be our chance to better understand that denomination and, and why it matters in a modern world. And furthermore, friends, We will be the generation that defines and redefines what it means to be a United Methodist. The next 10 years will be formative for our church here at Shepherd Road and beyond and our global church. And so we get to be the ones to decide what it means to be a United Methodist church in this coming century. We are currently in the good old days, friends. I I firmly believe that. This series will be like confirmation, beginning with the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Everyone say Wesleyan quadrilateral. 
I love teaching confirmation when I was in youth ministry. I, I had a chance to teach hundreds of young people what it means to take hold of their faith and determine what it means to be a Christian for ourselves. Confirmation is when we take what our parents or grandparents taught us and make it our own. I wonder if you came in here today with a system and structure of belief that isn't working for you anymore. Maybe your faith feels like a sweater that used to fit, but now it's too tight, or maybe it's gotten too loose. And it used to keep you warm, but now it's just a little uncomfortable. To you, I would say, thank you for being here. Don't give up. There is a way to take your faith that was given to you and stretch it and transform it into something that gives you warmth in your whole self. And that is why we're starting with the Wesleyan quadrilateral. It's not a, it's not a snappy name. I don't think there's a lot of R&D around the branding of it. But the Wesleyan quadrilateral is a four-sided way of looking at the world that's named after the founder of Methodism, John Wesley. John Wesley was an Anglican priest who wanted to see people take their old, worn-out faith and turn it into a vibrant and personal faith. The four sides of the worldview allow United Methodists to stand firm in Scripture without checking their brains at the door. Which leads me to the one thing I want you to hear today. If, if, you, if you can't hear anything else today, if you don't remember one thing, I want you to hear this. When we read Scripture... We must bring our whole selves to hear from God. When we read scripture, we must bring our whole selves to hear from God. So now let's hear from the word of the Lord as we seek to hear from God. Our passage today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I encourage you to take your paper Bibles or your phones and Google it. You will not see it on the screens. I'm doing that on purpose. I'm really trying to push you into your Bibles as hard as I can. Look, I already made you change seats. I might as well make you open a book, right? And here at Shepherds, when we read God's word, we... We really like to have enthusiasm for the reading of God's word. And so in just a moment, we're going to say the words, woo! And so I invite you to join with us when the time comes. You'll hear it because everyone else is going to do it. But hear the word of the Lord from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 24. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. The one who is calling you is faithful and will do this. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! Epistles are for the life of the church. 1 Thessalonians is an epistle, which is the fun, churchy way of saying a letter. This book of the Bible we are reading here is for the life of a particular church in a particular location and a particular time. And yet we as modern Christians read this passage in order to find the best way to live out the lives God has called us towards. 
This letter wasn't written to us, and yet we still read it to figure out how best to live our lives as the church. Friends, do we think sometimes we forget that that's what we're doing? You know, when we come to church, when we become members of a church, when we live out in our neighborhoods, we ourselves are generating the history of the church, the character of the church, the branding of the church. And so how we live our lives as siblings of the church matters, friends. How we do church matters. So the first thing I want to pull from this passage is this. First, don't avoid the order that scripture brings. This passage tells us to warn those who are disorderly. (laughs) The Greek word here for disorderly means those who exist within the church and don't really want to be bothered by the teachings of the church. And this is directed towards folks who want to be in the church but don't want their faith to get in the way of their lives. This is directed towards those who want all the benefits of the life of faith with none of the responsibilities. And this is something the church still struggles with. When we profess a faith in Christ, we, but we don't let that faith bother us toward action and change, we end up putting a discount sticker on the message of Christ and the change possible in our lives. Ultimately, without Scripture guiding us, we are without an anchor. Without Scripture guiding us, we are without an anchor. Scripture provides a foundation that makes the life of faith worth living. It provides direction that being a good person could never hope to do. It connects us to a history that goes to the beginning of time and will persist until the very end. It ties us to women and men who have lived their faith well and challenges us to meet their standard. Scripture is there to challenge us, encourage us, and give us backup when life seems impossible. And yet sometimes, friends, sometimes we run away from the structure it provides because we think we can do it better on our own. But friends, as the United Methodists, Scripture is the foundation of how we see the world. It's a quadrilateral and not a square. The, the, the longest line is Scripture and all the others are smaller trapezoid for those of you who do, did well in geometry. It's not a square. The, the, the basis, the foundation of scripture is how we see the world. And if we're going to follow the scripture, we must understand that when we read the Bible, we are not reading it in a vacuum. Scripture is read with all of our preconceptions, ideas, lenses. We never read scripture without influence. You know, there's a belief in culture, and we as United Methodists are not immune from it, that that all we need to do is read the Bible, and we can understand the world around us, that the Bible contains all of the right answers to the world around us. And while I know, and I believe that without Scripture, we can never find the right answers, I also know that the Bible is not some sort of answer key. Open up the Bible and you won't find answers on how to live in a modern world where marriage is more than a business transaction or in a globalized world where all of our actions can affect all of the other 8 billion other people we share the planet with. There was never that many people when the Bible was written. (laughs) Or even how to live in this country because I don't know how to tell you this. Our country is not in the Bible. They've sent it to press before uh, we started this whole experiment here on this continent. When we read scripture, we must bring our whole selves as we seek to hear from God. The Bible isn't an answer key. It is so 
much more. When we read scripture, we must bring our whole selves as we seek to hear from God. The next part of the passage I want us to see is don't suppress the spirit. The church so often forgets that we carry the Holy Spirit within our chest. God has not stopped moving as long as the church is still moving. God gave us a mind for reasoning for a purpose. God gave us a mind for reasoning for a purpose. When we realize that we carry the Holy Spirit within us, we can begin to see that the reasoning of our mind is not, a, is not separate from our faith, but rather central to that understanding. Without our minds being engaged with our faith, we aren't fully committed to what Christ is doing in our lives. A moment of vulnerability here with you all, a little bit of me being honest about myself. I am not, I almost said I'm not a thinker. I am a thinker, I promise. But when it comes to my faith, my faith doesn't really exist. I'm not naturally predisposed to have it live up here. Logic and my heart sometimes have a hard time connecting. I don't know why. I'm sure my therapist has an idea, but here I am just being really honest with you. But at the same time, faith without reason is shallow. And I'm feeling a call from the Holy Spirit more and more to get my brain involved. Maybe you're a little bit like me. Friends, we mustn't pretend that our ability to reason things out is anything other than a gift from God. Reason is another part of the quadrilateral because the brain God has given us is sufficient for us to know what God is teaching us. Our minds, our intellect, our critical thinking must be employed if we are going to truly connect with the message of Scripture. Scripture is never secondary, but our reasoning cannot be ignored. What you think matters. Your curiosity matters. What you learn in science class, history class, physics class, all of those things matter. Too many churches have demanded that its adherents check their brains at the door in order to fall in line with what is being taught. But the United Methodist Church and Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church must not and will not do that. When we read scripture, we must bring our whole selves as we seek to hear from God. All right, next in our passage, I want you to see, hang on to what is good. The next portion of the quadrilateral is tradition. What that means is that as United Methodists, we listen to previous generations because they have lessons to teach us. All of us are here because a previous generation believed in Jesus Christ. For me, it was my parents bringing me to church and teaching me what it looks like to follow Jesus through their actions. It's because of their faith that I have a faith. It's also because of my Sunday school teachers, my youth leaders, my college ministers, people that believed in Jesus enough to have it affect their life enough for me to see a change in them. And it is that church that has gone before that has helped me see how to follow Jesus. In our increasingly individualistic culture, we might find it difficult to look backward at the church of the past and feel the need to take on their influence. It might be hard to look at the mistakes and missteps of the church of the past and feel the urge to copy what had been done. The church of the past was not perfect, just like us. It is easy to judge the past. 
it is difficult to see that we aren't a whole lot better, friends. All of the crimes and misdemeanors of the past are plain for us to see, but coming generations will also be able to judge us as well. The modern United Methodist Church seeks to be anti-racist in our practice, and there was a time when our churches were segregated. The modern United Methodist Church honors and lifts up the calling and abilities of women, and there was a time when women were kept from ordination. Our children and grandchildren will see clearly our mistakes, and they will also see the things that they could learn from us. We will advance the gospel in ways that the past could only dream, and in ways that the future will do well to emulate. We have much to glean from previous iterations of Christ's witness here on earth. The traditions of the church give us liturgy, Eucharist, and the Trinity. You may have noticed that when I take communion or when I pray, I sometimes make the sign of the cross. Why do I do that? That's not a United Methodist thing. Well, I want to mark my whole body with the thing that saved my soul. That's why I do it. But it's also because my grandmother prayed for me every day and would make that sign when she prayed to the God of the universe. She didn't speak a lot of English. She was French. She was about this tall. And she loved me very much. I don't know how much love fit in such a tiny little frame. But the English phrases that she knew was, I love you so much, and I pray for you every day. And I know that the God of the universe heard her. And yeah, I kind of want to emulate her because of the faith that I saw in her life. Why do we do communion every week? Well, it's because when saints who have gone before us needed to know that they were not abandoned by Christ and needed a tangible sign of God's grace, they would eat at his table. I need to know I am not abandoned. I need a tangible sign of God's grace. Tradition of the church is where we start, and it cannot be where we end. Tradition of the church is where we start, and it cannot be where we end. When tradition of the church binds us to old practices that excludes people from joining in, it is no longer connecting us with Christ, but rather is keeping us stuck in the past. I've heard it called before, it's, it's peer pressure from dead people. When tradition becomes binding, it is no longer pointing us towards Christ. Tradition must be expansive and inclusive. The Lord's table that we practice is wide open. The liturgy we recite is inclusive. Tradition doesn't build higher walls. It crafts longer tables to make more room for our friends. When we read scripture, we must bring our whole selves as we seek to hear from God. And lastly, from the passage, let us avoid every kind of evil. When I was a kid, I was a rambunctious child who talked constantly. Believe it or not, I know, I'm so demure now that it, it's, it's impossible to believe, but I was often too talkative to hear the direction of my parents or siblings. I would miss important directions like, don't touch the stove, Mike, it's hot. And what would I do? I would touch the stove. That experience taught me that when I touch hot things, I get burned. The last quotient of the quadrilateral is experience. Friends, the suffering of life is the curriculum. We might as well take the class. Experience in the quadrilateral refers to all of the scars and gold stars we have accumulated in our life. The mistakes that we've made, the missteps that we've taken, and the successes that we've seen. 
Experience helps us sniff out the platitudes that folks sometimes substitute for Scripture. It helps weed out the things people tell us are in Scripture that are nowhere to be found. The experience of our life craft our worldview and help us apply Scripture to our lives. What has happened to us and how we have happened to the world allows us to see Scripture through the sort of personal lens that we miss out on if we don't take experience into account. Experience allows us to put context onto what God's Word has to say to us. Our experiences and our gender, our citizenship, our race, our heritage, all of those things can then influence what God is telling us through Scripture. It doesn't change Scripture, but it lets us know how we are going to read it. How we see the world is tinted by our experience and then, of course, must influence how we apply Scripture to our lives. This frees us from pretending that there is but one way to read all of Scripture, but rather eight billion different perspectives when we come to God's Word. When we read Scripture, we must bring our whole selves as we seek to hear from God. So now let's return to Scripture. This is the way that we are to do church, how we are meant to be as followers of Jesus Christ. We're to rejoice always, test and affirm, hang on to what is good. This is what this letter is directing us towards. In our modern United Methodist Church context, the Wesleyan quadrilateral is how we are meant to rhythm our lives. This passage is a letter to the church on how they were to live their lives. We too must live our lives in a distinct way that lets our neighborhood know that they're included. This is our challenge. This is our guidepost. With the Wesleyan quadrilateral in hand, I want you to hear this challenge. Examine everything and hang on to what is good. Sometimes I worry that the church has become a retirement home instead of a training school. The church sometimes can feel like a preschool and not a vocational school. The church sometimes can feel like a spa and less like a fitness center. Y'all hear me? So hear the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Friends, it's time to eat. With the Wesleyan quadrilateral, I have given you the steak knives of our faith. I invite you to dig deep and begin to wrestle with your faith instead of just receiving what is given to you. Leave behind the thinking that once we are saved, we have arrived. Instead, embrace the power God has given you to use scripture, reason, tradition, and experience to learn what the Spirit is calling you to. Stop accepting shallow readings or thin soup. It's time to bite down hard on all of the power of God's word so that the proof of God's love can be seen clearly in our lives. Let's pray together. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.